Hi, I'm Brooke. Hi, friends. I'm Suzanne. And we are the founders of SeekPurposeNow.com. Seek Purpose is a community platform where we can come together and share and grow through our stories, struggles, and victories. On today's episode, we have Dave Johnson joining us, and we are so excited to share him with you just in time for Easter. Today, you're going to hear a story of how this man survived a plane crash. And through that plane crash, he has discovered his identity and his purpose. Hey everybody, I'm Brooke. Hi friends, I'm Suzanne. And this is Seek Purpose. Today we have an incredible guest. I'm so excited to share with you our audience, Dave Johnson. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey everybody, my name is Dave and I'm really pumped to be here this uh, afternoon. So why don't you give us a bit of your background and... Sure, I'll tell you just my story really quick. So I am a Christian man now. I'm, I'm, if you know anything about me, I'm a Jesus guy. I love Jesus, and he's changed my life. He's radically, um, I'm so lucky and blessed to have him in my life. He's everything to me, but he wasn't always everything to me. Uh, I grew up actually in Iceland of all per, uh, places, um, Reykjavik, Iceland. I remember the day when my dad came to me when I was 10 years old, and he said, Dave, we're, uh, we're moving countries. Uh, countries was in recession, and my dad lost his job. And uh, my dad had actually been born here, Kitsilano Beach. And uh, so we came here in 1997. I came here not knowing any English. Mm. For some reason, I remember that my first word was the word potato. I don't know why I remember that, but <laughs> I had potato. You know what I mean? Getting off the plane, I'm like, just got potato. <laughs> and, uh, but I was uh, in a new country, and um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, when I was 13, I started skateboarding. Mm-hmm. So I actually know... Suzanne's uh, son, Joel, from the skateboard community, mm-hmm. and Brooke's husband, DJ, from the skateboard community as well. It's kind of a small world. Yeah. Skateboarding became everything to me. It attached itself to my identity, as often skateboarding does, and I became what's called a skater. <laughs> right? I, don't, I, well, I don't know what it is about skaters, right? It's like mm-hmm. like a tennis player doesn't become like a tennis player, right? <laughs> it's, it's something about... or. You know, so I became a skater and just everything about that, it changes the way you look at the world, architecture, how you make friends. It's everything. It's really a global, it's really a beautiful thing. Like there's a global community around the world. You take a skateboard anywhere. So you would be one of these ones that would be like my kid driving by with your parents and I'll stop the car. Absolutely. (laughs) Look at that ridge. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. No, I know. I know. And I, I have been. A few times looked at quite oddly. I'm just standing there looking at a set of stairs and people are kind of looking at me like, what is he thinking? Like I'm just, <laughs> odd, you know, gazing into the set. Um, anyway, so I became a skater with that though. Came um, great community, but also I was introduced to marijuana and alcohol. And I went on a five-year journey away from my faith and from also just my, what I would call my inner purpose and my inner man. The, the part of me, like I knew from a very early age that I was anointed and called. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard for me to explain it, but I was lucky enough. God, very early on in my life was like, Dave, like I, you have a very unique, special purpose and you are my son and I've called you and, um, and I need you to stay close to me. Not to say that he wouldn't fulfill that destiny and that purpose. He's always, he's so good at correcting our mistakes yes. <laughs> and then redeeming him for his glory in his time and for our joy. But so five years of uh, drug abuse and alcohol, which ultimately led to me being back in Iceland. My parents had gotten divorced in grade 12. I was like, ah, I don't like this. Lots of family drama. I'm out of here. Went back to Iceland. 
and I got sponsored and just in skateboarding and stuff like that. And so that became, again, just everything. Like my life was skateboarding, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But God um, was subtly yet loudly speaking, Dave, come back to Canada. I have something for you in Canada. And, uh, and I was not listening to his voice. One day, my friend Guðni Rúnar Kristinsson. We have some interesting names in Iceland. One of my favorite names in Iceland is Ljótur, which means ugly. Oh, I, like I don't know, name. but you know, can I tell you this? You know what the word? You know what the name Cody means? Okay, so whoever's listening, you know your friend Cody. Next time you see Cody, go up to him and tell him his name means pillow. Oh, the name Cody means pillow. Okay, just cushion. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what cushion is in Icelandic? No. Koti. Oh. Yeah. So like some oh, yeah, some sick Viking woman <laughs> used her cute little fat baby to sleep on constantly and called him Pillow, <laughs> named him Pillow. And Cody we have today as Pillow. Anyways, that's a isn't there random a, isn't, tangent. Didn't, didn't Michael Jackson name his kid something? Blanket? Blanket. Blanket? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, wow, there was there a Viking woman in 1400 who yeah. named her. Anyways, that's a tangent. <laughs> so Gudini uh, had his pilot license. He was a 22-year-old, went for a six-month course, got his pilot license. And he came to me and he said, Dave, I was looking online and uh, there's this place called Pitt Meadows. I've never heard of it, but mm-hmm. apparently it's got an airport. It's cheap to rent. Have you ever heard of it? I said, it's actually really close to where I used to live. It's funny how God sometimes when he is um, calling us to something mm-hmm. and we are disobedient and we're unresponsive, <laughs> he will allow for people or circumstances to kind of usher us there. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, he used a friend and a friend said, hey, how about we go back you know, go to Canada and we go and party for a summer and, and I'm going to collect hours to become a commercial airline pilot. And so we did exactly that. And I found myself here in May of 2007 in Canada and, and we did exactly that. We um, partied and, and uh, I went to church a couple times that summer and throughout it all, I knew Jesus was God. I knew that I was called, but everything in me still wanted to be that young, mm, young kid. That must be a hard place to be in too as a skateboarder because that is like quite an identity. Like being a child of God is a big identity, but skateboarding kind of has its own identity. And that realm doesn't really do the church Jesus like Mm. God thing. Right. I know for me, I got sucked into a different lifestyle and and no one around me was a believer. And I also lost my faith. Mm. And it was hard to like, you can't do it around all your friends. You can't talk about it openly. It's kind of like a taboo sort of subject, which is Mm. so weird. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what was that like being a skater, but also a believer and knowing you're called? Yeah, I lived in tension, but mm-hmm. I was also very compromised. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I I knew that <clears throat> uh, like when I was at parties and I was drinking, I was the guy that would talk about God pretty quick. Really? I was I was and um, I had a lot of great conversations with guys. And all, but ultimately it was like, they're like, well, why are you like here? You know? And I'm like, well, I'll figure it out later on in life kind of thing. We are finishing up season two and what better way than to create the most awesome event that involves everybody. On April 24th, we are staying sober and going live to support our loved ones in recovery. Whether or not you're in recovery or just supporting someone in recovery, you can stay sober and share your story live on Instagram or Facebook. Use the hashtag just424. Come celebrate your loved ones in recovery by staying clean and sober for 24 hours. The Just 424 Project supports people in all walks of their recovery.
with me. <laughs> so I was in Iceland and I uh, came here to Canada and it was on the very last day of Gudnir's trip um, or our trip here where we were flying up to Squamish and we were flying in the Indian arm, mm-hmm. four of us in the plane. And all of a sudden we saw some clouds up ahead. And so we turned the plane around. We made the mistake of going into a valley that was kind of a no-fly zone. And it was really, really narrow. And at the end of this valley, the mountains escalated super quick. And so for the very first time ever, um, I sensed Gwilinia was was really scared. I I mean, I'd flown with him 32 times up until that point. He'd be a very confident pilot. uh, pilot. He knew what he was doing. All of a sudden, he's like, this is not good. This is not good. And so he begins Mm -hmm. to pull on the controls of the plane, trying to get the plane above the mountains. And um, but we are too heavy, got too much gasoline, mm-hmm. four of us on, on board and we're coming closer and closer to the mountain. And he tries to then plan B, turn the plane around and in turning the plane around because it's so narrow, he needs to slow the plane down. And um, I mean, it's those kind of moments, pivotal moments mm-hmm. that shape you and change you. Mm-hmm. Those moments where you think that you're going to die. And though that in that moment, I'm like, this is it. Like I'm, I'm 18 years old and here's the sad part of it. And the thing, the thing that really sticks with me is that here I'm 18 years old and everything that God had called me to, none of it I had started, none of it I had pursued. Um, I had been completely away from God, uh, not desiring to follow him. And here is my moment of death. It's a wasted life. It's a, it's a wasted life. And sure enough, the engine goes boom, 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 boom. You know, it goes from being really loud. I don't know if you've ever been in a small plane before. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The engine's right there, right? My heart's like palpitating right now yeah. just thinking of it. To then boom, 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 the, the engine stalled. And um, Gunig says, crap, we're going down. And my last uh, memory is seeing the nose of the plane beginning to dip, hearing the tips of the, the trees hitting the wings, boom, 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 extending my legs and bracing for impact and we impacted into a very very old dead tree so i mean there must have been some angels there there was a riverbed of rocks everywhere we felt we crashed right into the depth of the valley and yet there was this old old tree and we crashed right into right into it if it hadn't been for that specific tree having lived for a few hundred years died and that plane going exactly into that tree we would have like most certainly died there was eight plane crashes in bc that summer it was one of the highest every person on every plane died oh my gosh three of us lived but so uh, i'm unconscious for 15 minutes elliot my friend he's conscious is able to get leah out from the plane he carries leah for about 100 years looks back and here, there's gasoline everywhere. He's covered in gasoline, and he makes the heroic decision to come back. And he begins to yell my name, Dave, 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 Vuni. And he says he's, he's there for about 10 minutes, having to go to and fro from the plane because there's so much gasoline everywhere, it's, it's even hard to breathe. Mm-hmm. Finally, he says he takes his hand, and he just smacked me as, as hard as he could on my face. I don't know if that's good first aid, <laughs> if anybody's listening. Okay. Wow. Um, smacking people, but it worked for Elliot. All right. He, uh, he smacked me and my first words were my seatbelt, Elliot, my seatbelt, because here I'm hanging in my seatbelt. I'm suffocating to death and, um, he's able to get my seatbelt undone. And, um, yeah, it's in that moment, again, one of those pivotal circumstances where I look to my left and there is, uh, my very, very close friend. I would call him a brother and he's in his moment of death. 
And a 22-year-old young, very handsome man, uh, wiser beyond his years, uh, died that day. And um, that'll, that'll, when, and you know, I don't wish it upon anybody, but when you witness something like that, that'll make you think about some things, mm-hmm. about where is that soul going? Where is that person going? What is the eternal destiny of man? All those kind of things. But anyways, I'm not thinking about that in that moment. I'm thinking, yeah. get me out of this plane because I'm going to die. <laughs> and so I'm like, Elliot, let's go. And he says, Dave, like, look down at your leg. Like, I hadn't even looked down. You see, what had happened is in the crash, every anchor and bolt in the seat completely disintegrated. The seat had come forward. And as I was bracing for impact, the chair had come forward, snapped my leg completely in half. And so my femur broke right here. And the my leg was it had like a second knee joint my leg was completely underneath the seat and um i mean a complete miracle here because we did exactly what you're not supposed to do many times people get into car accidents break their femurs and their first thing is to do is to try they'll try to yank their leg from underneath the seat and uh they say don't do that why because beside your femur is the biggest artery in your body mm-hmm. and oftentimes the femur will break a very sharp break and if you try and yank your leg out what can happen and many times does happen is that artery gets cut and mm. you are dead within five to eight minutes. Mm. And here's just God's grace and God's uh, mercy in my life. Here I'm yanking on this leg as hard as I could and it was the worst pain ever. It's like a serrated l- knife inside your, your leg. Mm. Finally get my leg from underneath the seat and I get onto Elliot's back and Elliot carries me to where Leah was. And um, that airport in Pitt Meadows hadn't had a plane crash since 1974. And instead of following protocol in calling search and rescue after a half an hour after, uh, you know, a specified arrival time, they waited three hours. And by the time search and rescue came, it had been six hours. So the plane crash happened at 1.19 p.m. And we didn't get rescued until 7.20. And I'll tell you, in those moments, okay, once the adrenaline wears off, you've, you're covered in blood, you're broken, and you're in the valley of the shadow of death. And you think you're going to die. Because your body's going into shock. And you've lived your life of 18 years. And this is it. You're going to die. This is how it ends. Um, if it wasn't for the tangible presence of God. God showed up that in that valley. As David wrote, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil in the presence of my enemies. That became a tangible reality in that valley. God's grace, even though I had not wanted anything to do with him, even though he had this great call and destiny in my life, he pursued me. And I love, I even love the end of that psalm. It says, surely your goodness and mercy pursues me all the days of my life, and I will be in the presence of the Lord forever. You know what I'm so thankful for? is that when we go down dark paths, when we, when we make mistakes, when we go into the valley of the shadow of death, even there, God's goodness and mercy runs after us, pursues us, runs after us. We may think at times that I got, sure enough, sure, the Christian faith is definitely pursuing God, absolutely, but I'm so thankful that he first pursues us. <laughs> so at 7.20 p.m., I hear the wonderful noise of helicopters, and it's search and rescue, and a news helicopter, and these orange angels come from on high, these guys in orange uh, <laughs> suits. And the guy named Brian, he looked at me and he says, you're going to be okay. Those mm. are the first words he said. Mm. And um, 
And I got into this big, thick sleeping bag and in a basket, and they ushered me up. And um, um, it was a weird feeling to leave my dead friend in that plane. I was in critical condition. They needed to get me to RCH right away. I'll never forget leaving with a knee. Dead in that plane. It would, they would retrieve his body the following day. That day would change my life forever. I'm, I'm living on borrowed time. I should have died that day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do, do everything I can to live the rest of my life um, in honor of God and just doing whatever he calls me to today, mm-hmm. whatever it is today. Because here's what I don't want to ever feel ever again. I don't ever want to feel that feeling of regret that I felt before and right after the plane crash. It was a, it was a relational regret. It was a, and, and, it, and it's so tied with purpose. Because at the end, like here, here I'm about to die or thinking I'm going to die. My thoughts go not to my bank account. My thoughts go not to my status, my job, none of it. But in that moment, I have a relational regret, and it's deeply connected to God and people around me, my family. And my last and final thoughts were, were, mo- were thoughts of, I should have, mm. not, I tried, I did. Now, God's love is um, bigger than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. I believe if I would have died that day, I would have still gone into glory. Mm-hmm. But God has placed us on this earth to partner with him in accomplishing his purposes. Mm-hmm. And I get to have another day today to do that. I'm so thankful. And so that would now propel, and I, I want to talk more about this, but that very dark, challenging season, it wasn't just that day because it, be, it would now be a couple months, I would say about 18 months, where I couldn't skateboard. My identity as a skateboarder was removed. I was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I was severely broken, um, needing to go to rehabilitation for my body for months and months and months. And um, in that time, I started going to Bible college because I was like, well, I, I, I can't. I, I, be, I dedicated my life again to God. I tried to go back to, here's what's crazy, mm-hmm. is that once you're filled with God, once you allow God, once you go from self-orientation to God-orientation, and that's, that's why AA is so important, is that what it does is it, it introduces God-orientation. Mm-hmm. It's not about self-orientation. If you're trying to orient your life around yourself, around your ego, around you, your stuff and your plans, eh, it'll all fail. You'll be miserable at the end. You may accomplish those plans, but you'll be miserable. Mm-hmm. But once you orient your life around God, doors begin to open, purpose begins to be revealed, destiny is called, like there's so many things that happen. And so the moment that I started introducing that in my life, I'm like, okay, I want to dive like headfirst into to what, what, who's this Jesus guy? And so <laughs> um, I went to Bible college and um, not really with the purpose of like, hey, I'm going to become a pastor. Not really. Um, but rather just I had this intrigue in, in this man who lived 2000 years ago who claimed to be God and who died. And historically, we can prove that he rose again. And so I, that's, that's how the journey began. That's where I <laughs> met my wife. And now I'm 13 years into what we call ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been such a wild, wild, vibrant, hard, good journey. We have a foster son who has special mm-hmm. needs who we've had for 10 years named Brandon. 
we have three biological crazy children. <laughs> and um, I mean, the amount of diapers I've changed in the last five years, <laughs> I need some sort of award. Right. Um, no, mm. it's been a, and God is more real to me today. He is uh, than he's ever been before. Mm. I've through, I've been through seasons of great drought drought. Mm. Uh, even in my 13 years of, or whatever, I guess it's, um, 2008, 2007, so I, 13 years, yeah, of, um, of being a Christian. Um, I've gone through seasons of apathy. Mm. I've gone through seasons of doubt. And I'm in a real season right now of great faith. Mm. And I'm so thankful, and I give God the glory there. Like, he's been doing a work, especially in 2020, that of urgency and desperation. There's, there's mm. Listen, there's no. I love what Rich Wilkerson, Jr., pastor in, in Miami, says. He says, there's no one else coming. Mm. ladies Brooke Suzanne there's no one else coming right no one else this is it the hope of the world is you like Jesus in you and through you that's it there's no one else coming like so today's the day it's not tomorrow it's not no no no. the planter who always waits for the perfect weather never plants his seed as Mm. as the proverb says so i'm gonna quit waiting for the perfect weather it's today i'm planting my seed today right Mm. so the plane crash uh would propel me to uh, to many different things i don't really know where to start there but it would also give me the opportunity to speak into into high schools. Mm-hmm. So uh, I spoke at a community center a couple of years after that. It was, I was a mess. I was crying for 20 minutes. Ah, like just <laughs> didn't even like, I think I might've said like 10 words. And then there was a principal there. He's like, Hey, could you do that at my school? A little less crying, but could you do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, like you can have some tears, but just not, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, sure. You know? And so that kind of, and then I went back to Glen Eagle and did, did my first um, kind of whole school assembly, 1500 students there. And then that would um, kind of uh, open doors to goodness. I, yeah, I've, I've uh, spoken to probably a couple hundred schools, mm-hmm. and I was on BBC Radio, which has an audience of sixty-six million. I got to share um, my story there, mm-hmm. and again for God's for for God's glory, yeah. uh, not my own. Mm-hmm. It's not the, the name of Dave Johnson will be soon forgotten. But <laughs> Jesus is. is that incredible though? When people when. There's only one birthday that we actually celebrate that the whole world's been doing for 2020 years now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. isn't that kind of odd? Mm-hmm. Or is that God? <laughs> is that odd or God? Yeah, I like right. that. Come yeah, on. Right? Yeah. So um, what power. What an incredible story. Yeah. And I just love because, you know, uh, a lot of our audience who are living and battling, right, in, in that um you know, addiction and um, just recovery from all brokenness from mm. childhood crap, the stuff that we're doing mm. today that we're waking mm. up and thinking we're no good at, you know, like we don't need to wait for that plane yeah. crash to know that no. we are loved and God will find yeah. us in that moment. Mm. That's such a powerful message, mm. you know, because I can too relate and, and, and life is not easy, yes. you know, but it's how wonderful it is to know that we don't have to be alone living it. No. Yeah. 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 And if you get to open your eyes this morning, God has a purpose for you, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A vibrant mm. pers- a purpose. And he has an identity for you mm-hmm. beyond, mm-hmm. beyond measure i think for me one of the things that changed my activity was recognizing my identity who Mm -hmm. i am Mm -hmm. and the bible one of the things that people need to recognize if you're a new christian is that it is it complements you greatly it Mm -hmm. speaks that you are made in the image of god Mm -hmm. that you're not only made by god but you are made of god Mm -hmm. and if i can explain that just for a moment you are not just made by god but you are made of god 
in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, it says this. It says when, it, when God's creating the planet, it says, um, let the earth bring forth animals. And so God, out of the dust, the dirt, and he makes, he makes animals. And when animals die, they go back to the dirt. And then when he makes fish, he doesn't just say, hey, let's make some fish. He says, let the waters team, out from the waters, let the waters team full of fish and all living things. And then when he speaks, when he, when he, when he goes to create man, who does he speak to? What does he speak to? He says, let us make man in our own image. Let them have dominion over every creeping thing. When God goes to make man, he speaks to himself. Mm -hmm. And then he makes man in his image. I'm not saying that we are gods. I'm not saying <laughs> that. But we are made of God, the composite of humankind. The reason why there is so much greater eternal value in you, Brooke, as opposed to, I don't know if you have a cat or a dog or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I love my dog, Jersey. But, but the reason why there is eternal value in human beings is because we are made of God. And the moment that we begin to realize that, man, I am, I am a, I'm a, I'm, I'm made by God. I am made of God. I am inhabited. If I'm a Christian, I believe I'm, I'm given the very spirit of God. Man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a God being. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not creator God. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm not worshiped to be worshiped by, by God. But what I'm articulating is this, is that we are so valuable and so precious and God gives us so much of himself in creating us. That's also why human beings have an eternal timeline. Mm. That then, which is a scary thing to think about because it depends that, I mean, e earth determines where you spend that eternal timeline. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I, that's just kind of a, a, something that I've been thinking a lot about. And so as I get up every morning, okay, wow, I made by God and of God, thank you so much for making me this way. And I've now been called to rule and to reign. And that right there is a dominion word. That right there is a word that describes someone who is a part of a kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so now I get to partner with the king of kings in literally directing the course of the world. Mm -hmm. It's like this one time I... Uh, I had to paint a wall in my house and my kids, they, they, they're wonderful, but I, I had to cordon them <laughs> off. Okay. I, I put the TV on. Okay. The TV babysitter. Don't, ju <laughs> don't judge me. Okay. And I, and I blocked, puts a, a table there. I put my couch and I just kind of blocked them up a little Peppa pig. I don't know if you know what Peppa pig sure is. Do, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure like you a playpen. Yeah. You, you turned your living room into a playpen. That's yeah. right. Oh, I I've just, done that so many times. It's just, the best. <laughs> just like, just, yep. Yep. you stay there. Yeah. And I, and I taped everything. Everything was ready to go. I had all my brushes ready and I had everything just mm, ready to go. And all of a sudden now Peppa Pig was less interesting, right? It just They wanted nothing to do with Peppa Pig. Like, Daddy, what are you doing? Oh, kids, I'm painting a wall. But you guys go over there. And all of a sudden, Ava Lee and Jet and Brandon, they just, oh, man, they wanted to paint. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I wanted this wall to be perfect. <laughs> but I saw that this is a moment where all of a sudden they, okay, you know what? Okay, sure, no problem. So I gave Ava Lee a brush. I gave Brandon a brush. And Avely started painting flowers on the wall and, <laughs> and Brandon started rolling. And, and then Brandon, you know, rolled over one of Avely's, you know, flowers and there was a big kerfuffle and some, you know, forgiveness <laughs> and redemption that needed to happen, and, <laughs> you know. But here's, here's the illustration is this, is that um, I partnered with my children in painting that wall. 
And at the end of it, actually, if you if you take a look at the wall in our house from this one angle by the window, you can actually kind of see like flowers and a little bit of like roll. I'm like, that's Brandon. That's Abley right there. The wall was painted, but it was painted with my children. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the father's heart is the same, mm-hmm. that he could accomplish his will. He could easily. He could wrap this thing up and just and but instead he chooses to partner with his children. Mm-hmm. And just like Jethro, he is not he is not. Well, made by me and Marisa. Well, hello. Uh, and, and he's made of, of our DNA together in the same way. We are his children, and he wants to partner with us mm-hmm. in painting the world full of love and joy and purpose and kindness. Mm-hmm. And it gets a little messy at times. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> but I believe that's the heart of the Father. 100%. Um, I want to talk about, you say how you feel like you're always called to be something you just knew it what did that sound like to you like what did god's voice sound like to you how do you know it's him sure so first of all i believe that when you meet god god is the god of the future he's not he he will redeem your past he will teach you from your past but he will never ever shame you or condemn you from your past regrets we're not made to live with regrets we're made to learn from regrets that's Mm. it Living with regrets has no purpose. If you're living with regrets right now, I'm praying for you that you would recognize that you're, you're called to learn from your regrets. That's it. Mm-hmm. God is the God of the, the yeah, the present, he's, eh, but he's more the God of the future, right? If you look at the scriptures, it's like, hey, Adam, you're going to be a farmer. Cultivate the garden, okay? Mm-hmm. Noah, you're going to be a sailor, right? <laughs> Abraham, you're going to be a father. Mm-hmm. David, you're going to be a king. Um, Saul, you're going to be a tool for the Gentiles. Peter, you're going to be a rock. Do you, do you, do you hear the, the, the trend? You're going to be. Mm-hmm. You're going to be. You're going to be. And, and I am just, I just believe that, that every believer, even just this right here, Brooke, mm-hmm. God is saying, you're going to be reaching people through podcasts and technology of today. You're going to be. Suzanne, you're going to be. That God is the God of you're going to be. God is the God of the future. And when you, again, God orient yourself, when you open up yourself and allow for just the quietness of your heart, to just be open to God and say, God, here are the, the few gifts and talents that I have that God will, he, he may f- talk a little bit about your past, but mm-hmm. even if you think of, think of Saul in the Bible, Gee, he's been killing Christians, <laughs> right? Murdering the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm the guy that you've been trying to persecute. Now, okay, let's talk about your future, right? <laughs> and it's all like, you're the, you know. And so um, how did that sound like? Well, First of all, I think it comes down to the, the three W's. It's the whisper, the word, and wisdom. Wisdom. It's so important to have good friends. It's so important to have a right community. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have people who know you, who you go, hey, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm going to start a podcast, and, you know, do I have the personality? And, and some people are like, nah, you should not start a podcast, right? <laughs> right? Or, right? It's, it's so important to have people around you. This is kind of how I'm getting, I'm kind of feeling this. And so wisdom, to have wisdom, people around you, I'm so thankful to have. And so my mom would be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's important to have that community. Even if you think of King David, David had Samuel come to him when he was 12 years old. Do you remember the story when he's 12 years old? He's in, out, out. His brothers had all been checked. Samuel the prophet, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, he comes to, to the, the town of Bethlehem and he's like, hey, J- uh, Jesse, where are all your sons? 
And uh, he shows him all his sons except for David. And he's like, well, none of these are going to be the king. Where's David? And then he's like, well, he's out with the sheep. You know. Well, he says, we are not sitting down and having a meal until you bring that boy. So Samuel's just awkwardly standing there. And um, finally David gets brought in. And it says that, that Saul anointed him as king. Okay, So David had someone call something out of him, right? So it's important to surround yourself with Christian community and people who have the boldness of the Holy Spirit to, to even go, man, I just... I just seek this out of you. You know, I've had people in my life who, who have said, Dave, I believe you're going to be a pastor. Now, my, that, that would be my mom. My mom would be the type of person who called something out of me. David also had someone when he was in the valley. So when Saul was trying to kill him, mm-hmm. it says that Jonathan came out to the valley of Ziphah. And it says that he strengthened his arm in the Lord. It's important to have people when you begin to stray away from your calling who say, hey, come on, man. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. Remember, you're calling. You're going to be king, not me. And then, of course, he has Nathan when, when David begins to go astray and fall away from it and make some mistakes. He's got Nathan to come back and say, hey, listen, you've sinned against the Lord. So I've had people in my life do all three things. I've had people, my mom, say, hey, Dave, I, I think that one day you're going to be a pastor. Not as a burdensome thing, mm. but as a, as a calling out. You know, when, when, my, when my dad found... Um, a few pounds of marijuana in my closet. Here's two parenting strategies, different strategies right here. My dad put it into the toilet. It was a blueberry kush, all right? Paid a lot of money for that. I still remember. I still remember. And uh, and he came in. He says, Dave, come into the bathroom here for a second, son. I said, oh, what's up, daddy? How you doing? He said, I want you to look into the toilet. And he opened up the toilet. And there, there is all that that marijuana. And he flushed it. And it was heartbreaking and crushing for me as a 17-year-old. My mom, on the other hand, and I love my dad very much, and he did a good job of parenting me. Just different parenting strategies. My mom, on the other hand, was doing my laundry. Thank you, Mom. And uh, she found some weed in my, my jeans. And she came to me, and she handed it back to me. And she says, Dave, I know that you're going to quit this yourself because you're, you have a calling beyond you can even imagine. She handed it back to me. Now, later that day, smoking that joint felt really, really bad. I didn't feel very good. But nevertheless, there was was someone in my life who who just called something out of me. And that's why I think Christian community, you know, being, can you be a Christian outside of church? I think you probably can. The same way you can be a soccer player and just play, you know, juggle a, a soccer ball in your garage. But when you start playing with a team, when you start having people in your life who know you and, and have the boldness to call things out of you, uh, that's really, really, really important. Uh, the word, the so it's it's the uh, the wisdom, the word, and uh, and the whisper. The word when you when you start getting into the word of God and reading it on a on a, I'd say on a daily basis, mm-hmm. or regularly, just bathing yourself in the word, Old and New Testament, just and pray, God, would you make this interesting to me? Because there's been times, <laughs> let's be honest, like where the Bible is just like it's just kind of not you know that vibrant at times, you know. And I'm like, God, would you give me a heart of interest? So this is, and He's given me that, and there's been. Multiple times, even last Tuesday, I was going through something, and uh, and I violently kind of threw my Bible down. And I boom, it landed, and looked it down, and passage was like God literally audibly speaking to me, mm-hmm. reminding me of my call. And so the Bible has at times just kept me in line, called things out of me. Uh, and then lastly, and I think this is a very important one, and in our distracted, loud culture, I think it's missed very often, but it's the whisper. Mm-hmm. The way in which God speaks to most people is to the whisper. That's how he spoke to Elijah. Wasn't mm-hmm. If you remember the Old Testament story, Elijah's running away and he's disgruntled and discouraged and he, God comes to him 
and it says that there was an earthquake, a fire, and massive, you know, cataclysmic events, earth events, and God wasn't in any of them. All of a sudden, God comes to Elijah in a whisper. And um, God has whispered to me um, a few times in my life. Mm. And, um, and I, like I said, I think in our distracted mm, social media and just iPhone generation, it's so hard to miss those. It's, it's hard to listen to those whispers. That's mm -hmm. why it's so important to, to unplug. What a story. And I'm sorry, we have to cut you off right now. <laughs> yeah, it was so incredible to just to sit in a room with Dave and hear what he had been through with that plane crash and how that totally changed his life and helped him get his priorities straight and actually seek what God was calling him to do. And having him here present, I wish everybody, I mean, you could hear it in his voice, but actually to sit here and witness him share um, that crash and where he was before his life, like it really resonated with me because in my own recovery and our, our addictions, it kind of simulates that, don't you think? Yeah, I think we all have our own plane crash that we go through in addiction. It's, I guess, what they call a bottom, um, where you're just like completely empty and you just feel like there's that that choice is given to you. Like either let's do this thing, let's find out what God's purpose is for my life, or I'm going to die. Yeah, it was such a loud, it's a story that we all can identify with. And we all, like you say, have plane crashes that will take us to a bottom and put us in a position that we have nothing else but to surrender. Mm -hmm. and I think that's what this whole story was about was um, so far, you guys, I can't wait till you guys hear the second half of this, but um, the first half for sure is just about him surrendering and just having that moment and that quiet. And he talked about that whisper mm -hmm. and he had it in uh, those woods that day that he could hear the voice of and presence of God. Yeah. I feel like it's really fitting too for the time that we're in right now. Like everyone's kind of experiencing this plane crash moment where things are happening and it's putting our, our priorities in order and changing our perspective on the world. And it's time to kind of really get that connection and figure out what we're here for. 